Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word. If God says something to you today through the word that challenges you, convicts you, or reveals that I'm not right in this area, know that God also gives you the power to do it. So God's like, I'm commanding you, but I'm also with the command, there's the, I'm going to work in you to do this. God works in you both to will and do for his good pleasure. So even in this, God's like, I'm commanding you to live new, but I'm going to empower you to do it. So we just have to commit our minds to obey the Lord and God will give us his strength. In today's message, Pastor Bill will remind you that conviction shouldn't be or feel powerless. Sometimes, when we feel convicted by the Holy Spirit about our sin, it can feel like we don't have any power in the situation. However, this isn't the case. God gives us power through Himself to overcome sin in our lives. We don't have the power to break the chains of sin, but God does. He doesn't just leave us in our sin and failure. He picks us up, and through His mighty power, we're saved. Now here's Pastor Bill in the book of Ephesians chapter 4 as he begins his message, A New You. We're going through the book of Ephesians. Uh, we're now in chapter 4 and I've been telling you guys that chapters 1, 2, and 3 were all about all the things that God has done for us. And so um, on this little list I said last week I was supposed to give this out that I would give you guys a list of those things. There's 42 things. You could kind of, there's a couple that are, you could kind of make a couple more, but this is why I thought it was so important that we would know that first, that the mindset of the gospel is that God initiates everything. So none of us here, the Bible says no one seeks God on his own. Nobody, none of us here, you know, just decided one day we were going to pursue the Lord and be good people. The Bible says that God pursued us. Amen. It says that we love him because he first loved us. And so this is, you know, the gospel says we're really responding to God's Grace. God's shown undeserved favor to all of us before we done a, before we did a single thing. And so chapters one, two, and three, that list of all these things God has done for us. He chose us. Um, he brought us out of darkness into his light. You know, he uh, He gave us a purpose and, and direction for our lives. Um, all these are things that God said, I did all these things for you. Now as we come to chapters four, five, and six, it's a lot of commands. Now God is saying, now this is how you should live a response. To all that I've done. So for someone that may just join us, you know, I don't want you to show up and say, wow, God wants a lot from me, you know, and, and, and not understand all that he's done for you first. We're 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 now learning how to respond to the goodness of God. Amen. So and if you if you if you miss that first part, you could end up with some legalism. Um, it could just sound like, man, this is all these rules that God has for me. But it's not that God has said, look, I've done all this for you. I've done the biggest, the most important thing that, that's ever been done for you. I did. I died in your place. And I want to just clarify that. God said, I took your sins, all of them, all the things that you did against God, all the things that messed up your relationship with God, the things that had you separated. I took all of it off of you onto myself. I died on the cross for it. I paid the full penalty. After I died, three days later, I rose from the grave. So I conquered sin, death and Satan. And now I'm extending to you the opportunity for new life in me. Amen. So God's done that for us. No, there's never anything you're ever going to receive better than that. There's nothing you're ever going to receive that that has this farther, far more as far reaching as that. That's impact is as great as God said, I did that for you. Now, 
now that you belong to me, now that my spirit lives in you, this is how I want you to live. And I want to say this before we look at the list of rules today, because today y'all go get your toes. Some of y'all go get your toes stepped on more than a little bit. So I just want to say this is the precursor. If God says something to you today through the word that challenges you, convicts you, or reveals that I'm not right in this area, know that God also gives you the power to do it. So God's like, I'm commanding you, but I'm also with the command there's the I'm going to work in you to do this. God works in you both to will and do for his good pleasure. So even in this, God's like, I'm commanding you to live new, but I'm going to empower you to do it. So we just have to commit our minds to obey the Lord and God will give us his strength. Amen. Amen. Having said all of that, let's look at Ephesians four and we're picking up at verse 17. The title of today's message is a new you. Um, and we'll see why as we get going. So look at verse 17 of Ephesians chapter four says this. I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk in the futility of their mind, having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart who being past feeling have given themselves over to lewdness to work all uncleanliness with greediness. And so let's go back to the top. He says, Paul says, now this I say, therefore, and I testify in the Lord that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles. The, the, when he uses the term Gentiles, he's basically saying pagans are non-believers. So he's speaking to Christians in Ephesus and he's saying, you guys that have received the Lord, you shouldn't be continuing to walk like people that don't know God. And so God would say the same thing to you and I today. Um, however long you've been in the Lord, and I, I guess in a room like this, maybe some of us have been in the Lord a few years. Maybe some of us have been in the Lord many years. But God would say, now that you're walking with the Lord, now that your sins are forgiven and the spirit of God lives in you, you shouldn't be living just like people that don't know God. Um, there should be an evident transformation that's taken place and is continuing to take place in your life. And so he says, you guys shouldn't be living like the rest of the Gentiles. And he explains what their walk looks like. He says they walk in the futility of their mind. That means just emptiness. And that means that these are people that just do whatever. You know, there's there's just an emptiness of mind. There's no real focus. Maybe some of you remember when you weren't saved and you just were just doing whatever. What are you doing today? I'm going to do whatever you're doing today. And tomorrow there's no sense of real focus or purpose to your life. Just in the futility of your minds. That's how you live. God said that when you didn't know God, that was all right then. But now, now you belong to the Lord. There should be a sense of purpose and direction to our steps. And so they walked in the futility of their minds. He goes on to say um, in verse 18, having their understanding darkened. Um, there was a time for all of us here that now know the Lord. There was a time where our understanding was darkened. I remember when I didn't know anything about God. Uh, I was very foggy on, you know, eternal life, salvation, hell, heaven. I, I didn't know any of that. My understanding was darkened and I lived like someone whose understanding was darkened. But God said, now that you know me, you shouldn't be living like you live when your understanding was darkened. It should be different now. Um, there should there should be a difference to your walk. You know some things that you didn't used to know. Then it says being alienated from the life of God. When I wasn't saved, when you weren't saved, you were alienated, separated from the life of God, which is also why we live the way that we lived apart from the Lord. But not now. Now we're not alienated. We, we, we're one with the Lord. He lives in us. 
Then it says, because of the blind, so he says, because of ignorance that is in them and because of blindness of heart. Uh, and again, both of these things just speak to the fact that when you weren't saved, you just didn't know any better. Uh, I look back on a couple of times when I wasn't a, a believer, and I, I guess there were people that were trying to witness to me, which was foreign to me. And I remember the things that I said and how disrespectful and how rude. And as I look back on it now, I cringe at the things that I said and that God was merciful and didn't make me eat those words. Uh, I remember saying that I wanted to go to hell because I didn't I didn't really understand what hell was. So my concept of hell, if there were one, was that that was going to be the party place where everybody was just turning up. And, you know, that's that was my mind. If there was a hell, that's what it was. And I'm like, if I die, I want to go to hell. I don't want to go to heaven. I said that. Now I look back and I'm like, no, no. I wish I could go back and just take them words back. Like those are dumb words, but those are spoken out of ignorance, out of a darkened heart, out of out of really just not knowing any better. Um, You would not catch me speaking that today. Knowing what I know, uh, knowing what I know, I'll never say I want to go there. I want to go to heaven. I've made my reservation and uh, that's where I intend to be when this thing is all over with, you know, and that's that's the end of the story. So um, but but when you didn't know the Lord, that's how we spoke. We said dumb things like that. or We believe wrong things. We're blind in our hearts. Verse 19, he says that they were being past filling. Something that happens in the life of sin is. You just you just you knock down all your own walls and your heart gets hard and we become when it says being past feeling, we're just numb. You know, when we're not saved, we don't have the Holy Spirit convicting us. But how many of you guys remember when you weren't saved that you had a conscience and you had to override your conscience to do certain things? There were things that I did that I had to override my conscience. But you know what happens after you override it two, three times? It's like it's not there no more. I do this easy now. I don't even think about it no more. I don't feel bad. As uh, long as I don't get in trouble, everything was all good. That's being past filling. And most of us, even when you weren't saved and you weren't born again, there were things that you had to overcome your conscience to, to do that behavior, to get into that sin. But as you did it long enough, it says you become past filling. And that's why you're just numb and you just could just do whatever. But not as a believer. Oh, not as, we're not numb now as a believer. Oh, that's the, that's the old life. And something that God said through Paul over in Second Corinthians that that when we become when we give our lives to the Lord, um, that we're a new creation. Um, that old things have passed away, and He says, "Behold, all things become brand new." And so, this is the beautiful thing about the life in Christ: is we had an old life. Uh, many of us here remember our testimony. Remember what we were. And I keep saying I want to have a time where we get to hear some of our testimonies and just how the Lord apprehended us and where he drug us out of and what he's been doing since we met him. And I'll, I'll plan that at some point in the future here. But God says, I make you brand new and God will take people from where they used to be. and He'll so transform them that if they didn't tell you where they came from, you wouldn't know it. You wouldn't look at them today, who they are today, what God's doing today and say, I bet you used to be this. So transformed. Life so changed. And that's that's really what it's supposed to look like. Um, somebody shouldn't look at me today and say, man, I, I bet you used to be and just figure out everything that I was. I'm like, you still see it on me. I still smell like it. You know, I still got the you know, uh, the, you know, you still got the stuff on you, whatever that, that God moves in and stuff starts changing um, and he begins to change it. But God does a real work. God doesn't change us like the world. The world tries to change people from the outside, clean you up, fix you up. Fix your clothes, you know, cut your hair, make yourself look right. God works from the inside out. You can the outside to catch up to the inside, but God will take you wherever you are when you come. And God will first 
come to live inside you when you receive him. And then God begins through the work of the Holy Spirit to transform us from the inside out. Because you know what? God doesn't want a bunch of fake people. God doesn't want us to get good at faking Christianity. God wants us to be Christians. And that happens from the inside out. And, and, and that's the way it's supposed to be. That's, that's, the, that's what a legitimate work of God looks like. And so um, moving on now, um, as we come to verse um, verse 19, it says they were past filling, having given themselves over to lewdness, to work all uncleanliness with greediness. Um, and so these are all those those two things are sexual things that they were um, lewdness is a uh, sexual in nature. So they were given over to lewdness, uh, giving themselves over. And this is this is what non-believers did. Right. So as Christians, this shouldn't be characterizing you. This shouldn't characterize the, the son or daughter of God that we're just giving over to lewdness and sexual sin out there. Um, there should be a purity about the people of God. Um, when we give our lives to the Lord, this is part we give all of us to the Lord. So some people get saved. But they carry on in their life practices just like before they knew the Lord. They got they're born again. They belong to the Lord, but they're still dating non-believers. They still have sex with people that they're not married to. Um, you know, these are things that as believers, that's not how we get down. Right. God has designed sex. Amen. For marriage. Amen. One more time. OK. He designed it. He created it. He made it to be blessing, a blessing in the context of marriage. And so if. Someone is, you know, struggling with that, then, you know, pray. You need a, you need a spouse. The Bible says it's better to marry than to burn. That shouldn't be the only thing that draw you or drive you to marriage. But, you know, it, it, it's a reality, you know, that, that God says that that is designed for marriage. And so, um, but, you know, if, at non-believers, they don't have that law. They don't live according to these rules. But as a Christian, you should be living according to this. You shouldn't be out there giving over to lewdness. Um, and all the, to work all uncleanliness. That's the same idea of, of different different forms of sexual perversion. And then it says um, greediness. And this is something that drives the world in general. People are most people are driven by their greed, their desire to have more is why they do what they do. And then parents raise their kids to be the same way, you know, that that. We raise our kids to, you know, you got to do this so you can get some stuff and have some more. And we raise our kids where everything is about what you can get. And that's really not the, the model for the believer. The model for the believer is we pursue the Lord above everything. Now, some people, as they pursue the Lord above everything else, God will bless them to be wealthy because they can handle it. And he knows it. Some of you, if God had, if you had five more dollars today, you wouldn't be here. And God knows it. Uh, some of us, if God, if you just had a little bit more, you'd be off to the races doing some dumb stuff. And so God knows what we can handle and everybody, everybody's not going to be rich. And so if you don't want to pursue that. We want to pursue the Lord. And as I pursue the Lord, whatever it is that he has for me, I'm challenging my kids. You pursue God. I don't know what he has for you, that way, but I know whatever he has for you, well, you'll be satisfied. Uh, the Lord will bring contentment and satisfaction to your soul. Amen? Amen. And there are rich people that are empty as you can be. And so uh, that's a that's a vain pursuit. But these are the things that he says people apart from God. This is what people that didn't know the Lord. This is what they pursued and went after. Now, look at 20 and 21. He says, but you have not so learned Christ. If indeed you have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus. And so Paul gives a contrast. He says, you have not so learned Christ. These behaviors that he just mentioned, he said, you didn't get this from Jesus. And we can be reminded that in every aspect of our lives, we're always going to be directed to look to Jesus. 
Uh, we look to him for an example. We look for him. We look to him for an example of how to live this life of what we're to pursue, how we're to live, how we handle certain things. We look to Jesus and he says all these behaviors that you, you didn't learn that from Jesus. That's some, that's some carryover from the old life. And so Paul is challenging that. Paul is speaking to Christians. And so I would just say this before we move into some direct commands, because Paul's getting ready to tell us some things that we take off, put off and put on. Um, that I would challenge everybody here. If you're here and you say, I am a Christian. I've been a Christian for this long, however long. I gave my life to the Lord in 1995. You gave your life to the Lord whenever that was for you. Um, there is an expectation on God's part that we're progressing in our walk with the Lord, that we're, we're becoming more like Jesus, not less like Jesus, that we're being transformed into his image more and more. And so, as we read through these things, if you look and say, wow, I, I resemble, you know, this, I resemble still some of the old life stuff. Then none of this is to condemn because that's not what well, God's not in the business of condemning people. God will bring about conviction um, that we might change. You know, what Satan will do with your flaws and your mistakes and your shortcomings, Satan will bury you in the dirt with him. Satan will condemn you till you quit and just turn away from the Lord. All that's what he wants. God says, I'm, I bring these things up. I convict you that you might feel the same way I feel about sin. And that's what conviction does. Anybody here has ever had something that when you weren't saved, you enjoyed this. Then you got saved and all of a sudden, I feel bad when I do it. That's conviction. And God's like, I'm making you feel about your sin the way that I do. Because eventually you're going to say, I, now I hate this thing. And now, God, I hate it so much if you help me stop it. Would you give me victory over it? And, and then that's the work of sanctification. We, and we get over one thing and God moves on to something else. And that's really going to be the, the Christian life is you're going to be getting over one thing and then there'll be something else because we're never going to be done till we get to heaven. Um, but hopefully we're making progress. Hopefully you don't look back. None of us should look back and see a better version of us. That if you, if you look back and see a better version of you, then you know you have backslidden and you need to repent. We should look back and see a version of us. I should look at today and this should be an improved version of last year. And the year before that, that means we're making progress. Uh, we just had New Year's not too long ago. And anybody that last New Year's, if you made a commitment to go to the gym every day and to eat good and to do better, then this January, we should be looking at a better you. Amen. If we're not, then you didn't do it. <laughs> and, 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 you know, some of us are, you know, some of us made that commitment this January and we not doing it. So um, but if, if you did that right, uh, if, you, if you made a commitment like that and you did it a whole year, it would be visible. You'd be able to see something spiritually speaking. We should see that, man, we're making progress. We're making God is God is God is transforming my life. I'm not what I used to be. Not done yet, but I'm not what I used to be. And so moving on now, um, he says in verse uh, 22 to 24. Paul says um, that you put off concerning your former conduct, the old man, which grows corrupt according to the, the deceitful lust and be renewed in the spirit of your mind and that you put on the new man, which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. And so first we put off, he says you to put off concerning your, your former conduct, the old man which grows corrupt according to deceitful lust. God says, everybody here lives in the same flesh you used to sin in. Everybody here lives in the same body that represents the old man. And what was, what, what were we, what, what, what were we supposed to do with the old man? Anybody know what we were supposed to do with the old man? 
Where's he supposed to be at? Crucified with Christ, right? Never, never listen that I live, not, but not I, but Christ lives through me. So we're supposed to crucify him. Now, some of y'all, old men, keep climbing off the cross and living again. And, and we got to put him back on there where he belongs and crucify him and leave him there. And so he says, look, we need to put off concerning the former conduct, the old man. We got to put that off. And the idea is like, it's like taking off a garment. Like I'm putting it off and aside. I'm not putting it back on. I'm putting it off and I'm putting on something brand new afterwards. And so it says put off concerning the former conduct, the old man, which grows corrupt. That word corrupt is a, it gives the idea of a body when it's in the grave and it's, 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 you know, disintegrating. It's, it's, it's dead and it's dying and it's, it's wasting away. Um, God said that's what the old life was. It grows corrupt. It grows into death. It's not going anywhere positive. It's growing into death. And it says, um, according to deceitful lust. And I want to explain why lust is so deceitful. The word lust is not just a sexual thing. Lust is the word literally means strong desire. And if you're a person that says, if I had this, then I would be good. If I have a strong desire for something, and a lot of people have that. A lot of people in their life, they're thinking, if, if I could just have this, then I would finally, my life would be great. If I could just get that, if I could just apprehend this, if I could just reach that goal or get this thing or have whatever, then it would be all good. But it's not true. It's the lust is deceitful, right? God wants us to be in a place where we realize, I just need the Lord. That's every, that, that's, that's what I need. There may be some things I desire. There may be some, but, but, but don't be of the mind that if I just had this, this would fix everything. A lot of people in our world think if I just had some more money, money is my biggest, if I just had more money, that would fix everything. That's a lie. From the devil. All you, you got to do is look at people that have a lot of money. They killing themselves, dying, miserable. They just miserable with bigger problems and people waiting to get some of their money. You know, so it's not a, that's not the answer. But some people are convinced that's what it would be. There are single people that are like, if I just had a if I just could find me somebody that would fix everything. And then there are married people that are thinking, if I could just have another chance, I would fix it and do it better. Wrong, wrong, wrong. We need to, we need, we need to find our contentment in the Lord. And if you think you're going to find it in a thing, that's why lust is deceitful. And sometimes the most discouraging thing that can happen to people in the world is that they pursue something with all their heart and they actually get it and they see how empty it is. Uh, I never forget. Um, I forget which. I think it was. It might have been Kobe Bryant. I forget. It was one of the one of somebody, one of the basketball players, or whatever. But they got their first championship. And so they're trying to interview him and they, they want to have this moment of like, okay, well, this is the moment you've been waiting for. You finally got your new championship. You finally got your first ring. How does it feel? And the first thing out of their mouth was, I'm looking for the next one. I want another one. Cause I, cause some, cause Jordan's got more than me. You know, so somebody else has more. And you're like, man, this, it's, this didn't satisfy. This didn't do it. This moment right here, this is, it's, it's not big enough. It didn't. Yesterday, this is what you thought it would, it would be. It's not it. Lust is deceitful. And so don't be don't don't let your mind tell you that if you could just have this, you would be happy. You would be content. You would be things would be better. What we need to be convinced of is that I just need the Lord. I need more of God. I'm, why am I discontent when I have everything in him? What's wrong with me? Why? 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 Where are my eyes at? Where's my mind gone that I'm not content with him? If you can't be content with him, you won't be content with anything else, no matter what it is. Lust is deceitful. And so, um, again, he lays these things out as this is this. These are things that we put off uh, that we wouldn't continue in them, that we wouldn't, con- you know, we wouldn't continue to live this way. And then he says in verse 23 and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. And this is what God wants to do. God wants to apprehend your mind and renew your mind. 
We're told in Romans chapter 12, verse two, um, that, you know, we would have our minds that we're to have our we're not to be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of our mind. And God says, I, when I when you get saved, you know, I, I save your soul, but we need to have our minds renewed. been listening to another edition of a transforming word with pastor bill buffington of calvary chapel inglewood thanks for tuning in the book of ephesians is full of relevant content that can be applied to us today one of the biggest themes throughout paul's new testament letter is unity we live in a culture that seems to love to disagree but the bible is very clear about seeking unity even when you disagree Of course, this isn't always easy, but unity is a big part of who God is and what he desires for you. So the next time you disagree with someone, don't see them as an enemy. See them as a brother or sister in Christ and ask the Lord to soften your heart for that person. If you're struggling with this in your life, feel free to text or call us and we'll be more happy to pray for you. Our number is 310-245-4811. Again, the number is 310-245-4811. And if you're ever in the Inglewood area, we want to meet you in person. Our service times are on Sundays at 10 a.m. and on Wednesday at 7 p.m. If you're unable to visit us in person, we stream our services online. For more information, such as directions and links to media pages, just visit calvaryinglewood.org. Again, that website was calvaryinglewood.org. Thanks for tuning in today to A Transforming Word. Next time, Pastor Bill will continue teaching through the book of Ephesians, and you won't want to miss it. So be sure to join us next time right here on A Transforming Word.